You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. We're going to be concluding our Walking on Water series uh, this morning, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 14. Uh, If you want to go there, Matthew 14, we're going to be starting in verse 22. and if you don't have a Bible, I'm sure there's one close to you. Or if you just refuse to open the Bible, you can look on the screen and you can follow along as I read it. Uh, and it's actually a fitting passage of Scripture because the disciples are in a storm. And this is like a, a crazy storm by Southern California standards with all this rain and craziness. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got, out, got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. I know there's another slide. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to come here this morning. Um, And we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, and I just pray that uh, a lot of us freak out when there's rain, but uh, it's in a spiritual sense. um, Rain means growth. And those storms that bring that rain, and with every drop, there's a promise of regrowth. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, for those of us who might be in storms today in a spiritual sense, Lord, that we would stand firm, knowing that you are in charge, and knowing that that same thing that seeks to destroy us can bring growth in our lives. So we praise you, God. We thank you. Would you have your way today? In Jesus' name, amen. A lot of us have faced storms, right? Some of you faced the storm coming here this morning. But in a spiritual sense, uh, we face problems. We face things. There are things that, that go on in our life that we don't want to deal with. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and you're in the middle of one of those now. Maybe you're in a financial problem that you didn't expect to be in. Maybe your marriage is going through a stormy season and you didn't expect it to be there. Or maybe there's, there's job problems. Whatever it is, problems at home with your kids. There are times when we find ourselves in those stormy situations. We've been blown off course. We're stuck in the middle of nowhere. We don't know how to get through. We don't understand why we're here, and we don't know how to navigate out of it. And that's where we see the disciples in this passage of Scripture, right? They had just had this amazing ministry time. Jesus, it's, it, 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 right before this, it says Jesus had fed the 5,000, right? But if we account for women and children, it's like more than that, like, pushing 20,000 people, feeds all these people with a can of sardines and a box of cornbread. Amazing, amazing time of ministry. And then Jesus tells them, get in the boat and leave. And they get into the middle of the lake 
and there's this crazy storm. The winds were battling against them. They, they, they were struggling. This must have been a, a really ridiculous storm because some of the disciples were fishermen, used to being on the lake, used to navigating through things like this on a boat, but they couldn't get out of this one. So it must have been a crazy storm. And I was, I was uh, reading this week about um, the lake they were on, you know, in the Sea of Galilee, where they were, that it was between two valleys. And so daily the winds would come and just whip up the water and it would be crazy. And so this is what the disciples are in. Uh, the parallel passage in Mark says that they were struggling against the oars. Has anybody ever been in a situation, like a legitimate real situation in a storm, in a boat, on a lake, in the water, like, and you were freaking out? None of you, unless you just don't want, I'm not going to call on you and ask you to come share your story. But, um, I have. When I was 14, uh, I was with my friend, his name is Remington, and we went out to this lake with his dad who had bought a small sailboat, a really small sailboat, and he wanted to take us out, and he was so excited, and and uh, we weren't really sharing in his excitement, but we went out anyway. And so we're watching him and taking some instructions on what to do. And we're sailing around on this lake. And it was fun. But in the back of my head, I'm like, this is so easy. Like, anybody could do this. We could do this. We got it. No problem. Right? And so we come back. And we eat some lunch. And then Remington and I decided that we were going to go by ourselves. Like, we can do this. It's not a big deal. So he's, like, trying to explain to us. And we're like, yeah, Bruce, we got it. We got it. We got it. It's okay. So we get out on the lake, and we're having fun, and we're sailing around a little bit. And then it starts to get really, really, really windy. And at one point, we had the sail all the way up, and the wind caught the sail and tipped the whole boat, and I fell out. And so I was like, okay, we probably shouldn't do whatever we just did to make that happen. So I get back in, um, but we could not get out of this little stormy lake, right? It was insane. And so we pull the sail down, and we're trying to row, and we couldn't do that. And at one point, I remember just laying down like in the fetal position in the boat and I started crying. Like I was, I was scared. I thought my life was going to end. Um, we were probably out there for about six or seven hours. Uh, and it, at nighttime, um, the park ranger came out on a boat with Bruce. He had told the park ranger, hey, uh, my son and his friend are lost. Let's, we need to go find them. And so he comes to us. And I'm like, yes, I'm excited. I'm ready to climb out of this dumb little sailboat, get into the park ranger's boat that actually has a motor and just get out of here, right? Or hook up, a, hook up a rope and tow us back in like I don't care, right? But what Bruce does is he gets in the boat with us and makes us sail it back to where we're supposed to be. And I was so angry at him. I was like, I've been in this boat for like seven hours already. I don't want to be here anymore. But instead of just taking us out of the situation completely, he gets in with us and makes us sail it back. I was very upset. I just wanted to get out. I wanted to be somewhere safe where I thought I was safe, right? And we go through these hard seasons in life. We don't want to, we just want to look for escape. We just want to go back to where, was, where it was safe. We want to go back to what's familiar. We want to go back to the places where we didn't have to deal with these things when we were having this ministry time where my marriage was great, where my finances was great. I don't want to have to go through these storms in life. I don't want to deal with that. We want to get out. But we see in the passage of Scripture, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of unpack this a little bit, but Jesus does the same thing. He doesn't just pull them away, right? And here's our key thought for this morning. Jesus comes to us on the storm, not to take us out of it, but to take us through it. 
He doesn't come just to simply rescue us, but to show us how to navigate through those storms in life. And just like a lot of things in our walk with God, we have a part to play in it as well, right? God will work, but he's asking us to, to, to partner with him to do something to get out of this. And so I want to take a look at what the disciples did and, and kind of relate that to, to what we need to do to be able to make it through, to rely on Jesus to make it through. And the first thing is we need to immediately respond. Sorry, that red is a little hard to read. Well, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. When God gives you direction, our job is to immediately respond with obedience, right? Our job isn't to, to question and say no, to question and go, well, why? This is so nice here. Our job is to respond to Jesus immediately with obedience and say, okay. We don't like this, though. Like, I, I like to have all of the details of something before I do it. My wife and I, uh, we went to New York City. We went to New York to visit my family for Christmas, and, and they live a few hours from the city, so we went to New York City. And um, I, I didn't plan anything. I let my mom try to figure out how to get us there on a, sub, on a train, and we went to, a, we went to this, this city that was like... I was scared of this place. Like, it was, it was a scary town. And we just go into this random gas station, and I was like, uh, where's the train? And they were like, there's no train here. And I was like, this is Bethel, New York. Yeah, the train station's in Bethel, Connecticut. Like, how far is that? Like, five hours. Okay, we're not going there, right? And then we get to the city, and I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know how to get around. I didn't know what our plan or our agenda was for the day. And so I was, like, seriously stressed out. We're standing at the World Trade Center, and I'm, like, complaining because I don't know what we're going to do the rest of the day. And my wife was like, hey, you need to calm down. She's good at doing those things in, like, a professional way because she's a psychologist. Um, but I started to realize, like, I don't, I, 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 look at where I am. Like, this is awesome. Let me just enjoy myself. I don't need to have every aspect of every single detail planned out, right? But that's a lot of times what we want because we, we hear the scripture, we walk by faith, not by sight, but we don't want to do that. We want to walk by sight. We want to see what we're doing. But it doesn't always work that way with Jesus. He doesn't always give us the details. And a lot of times, like I said earlier, we don't want to leave. The disciples just see this awesome miracle and the people were ready to install Jesus as king. And they were like, let's do this, Jesus. We're going to make you king. You're going to go overthrow the Roman government and we're going to rule and reign and it's going to be fantastic. That's what they were hoping for. But before they could even start to let the words come out of their mouth, Jesus says, go. And it's kind of a blessing because sometimes we, we, we speak before we think or we might bite off more than we can chew. And before we have the opportunity to get ourselves in a bad situation, Jesus will send us somewhere else. And it's to protect them. There's going to be times, and maybe you've experienced this, there's going to be times in life where you're going to feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to change something. And oftentimes that will be when you feel, when you feel like life is at its best. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, all right, let's, let's, let's do something different. I want you to move here. I want you to change your job. I want you to work less, which means less money. 
I want you to do whatever it is. There are times in our life where the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And it's so important that we respond immediately with obedience to God's promptings. Even if that leads us into a storm. Because those storms in our life are important. And it might not make sense, but those things are so important. The, the disciples needed to learn a very, very vital lesson from being in the middle of the storm. And if we never allow God to bring us into those places, call us out upon the water like that song, Oceans, right? If we never allow God to bring us into those stormy seasons in life, we will never see the power that he has to calm the storm. We will never see the amazing miracle-working power that Jesus has if we don't let him bring us to places that are unfamiliar. And that storm provided a pathway for Jesus to demonstrate his power in the lives of the disciples. But the very first step is we have to be obedient. We have to be obedient to God's word. We have to be obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Even if nobody else around you thinks it makes any sense, if God says it, then we need to do it. Two people agree with me, great. Thank you. Appreciate those amens. So we need to immediately respond. The second thing we need to do is immediately recognize. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Disciples, middle of the lake, storm, freaking out. Here comes Jesus. Now let's look at the things that Jesus is not doing. Jesus is not standing on the shore screaming to them, paddle harder. It's okay, guys. You're going to get there eventually. Jesus doesn't get in his own boat and start to row out there and struggle against the waves. And he's like, I'm coming, guys, but these waves are too much for me. Jesus doesn't dive in the lake and try to swim against the current to get to the disciples. They're probably four or five miles out. And again, in the parallel passage in Mark, it says Jesus saw them and then he came to them, right? So Jesus is not struggling in a boat. He's not standing on the shore watching and he's not struggling to swim. Jesus walks four or five miles calmly on top of the water. So Jesus does not come to the disciples in the storm. The storm is not affecting him at all. Jesus comes to the disciples on the storm. That's important to realize. Because the things that we struggle with, Jesus has already defeated. The things that we find difficult are a cakewalk for Jesus, a casual stroll across the lake for Jesus. It's not difficult for him. And God will use the elements that we dread the most as the pathway for his approach. The thing that's going on in your life right now that is scaring you, that is making you terrified, that is making you fearful, that's how Jesus wants to come to you. Jesus wants to come to you on top of that storm. 
to show you I am not affected, I am not phased by this. And it's through those seemingly dreadful moments that we can have the greatest realization of who he is. But they don't recognize him. They don't see him. They think he's a ghost. And I was thinking like, how can they, they, they've been walking around with Jesus forever. How do they not see him? They probably couldn't see him because the storm was crazy. Right? And Jesus like looked like a rock star, like standing there with the wind blowing in his hair and like the mist from the water all around. And he's like, it is I. But they don't recognize him. Partly because of their fear, right? And their fear was real. And I'm not here to say this morning that if you're, 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 you're fearing something, that that's bad. That's an emotion that you're feeling because of those situations. But what I'm here to tell you is that there can, that fear can be dissipated and that fear can leave if we could recognize the presence of Jesus on top of the very thing that's bothering us. You with me? And when Jesus speaks to them, the passage says, uh, he says, uh, take courage, it is I. But when you go to the original language that this is written in, Jesus actually uses the same I am statement that God uses in the Old Testament when he speaks to Moses at the burning bush. So Jesus comes to them and he says, take courage, I am. And it's in that moment that Jesus is making the declaration to the disciples, God is here. You can't see and you can't recognize because of everything else that's going, around, going on around you, but take one moment to realize God is with you on this storm. That is a powerful thing for us to be able to understand, that God is with us. Because as soon as the disciples hear this, their fear begins to dissipate. They recognize Jesus for who he is and they realize they don't have to fear the wind and the waves anymore. We think of that scripture, the earth is, is your footstool. And there's all these things that go on in my life that, that make me scared and make me afraid and make me not want to pursue the path that God has placed before me. But I need to realize that they are all under the feet of Jesus. Jesus is on top of my issues. Jesus is handling them. Jesus is conquering them. Jesus has got it under control. We may not be able to physically see him, but we can look at things like this. We can look at the testimonies of those who have gone before us. We can look at the testimonies that we have ourselves of God's amazing miracle working power in our lives and know and understand and realize that even though the storm is terrifying at times, Jesus is with us. And you might be afraid, but you don't have to be afraid. Sometimes we can't see, we can't hear, we can't recognize and discern the voice of God because we're allowing all these outside elements to just flood our mind. So sometimes it's good for us to just be still and be silent before the Lord, know that he is God and listen for that voice. 
try to shut out all the other noise. Uh, I was having a conversation with my wife last night, and she, she started talking to me at the same time that somebody sent me a text message. And I really wanted to hear what she had to say, but I didn't know who sent that text. And I needed to know. So she starts talking while I pull out my phone and start typing and looking and reading. And it wasn't even very interesting. I don't even remember who it was that right now. But for a moment, I was listening to her. And then when something else came up, I started to focus on it. And I completely zoned out what she was saying. I did not hear a word she said. But then when I was done, I put my phone away and I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then she just looks at me and I was like, I, I didn't pay attention at all. I'm sorry. Please explain it to me again, right? So we can have those moments where, where we're, we're, okay, God, what do you want to say? And then something else comes up and we're like, oh, see you. I'll, I'll be back later. Take a moment and, and listen to what God wants to tell you. Put all those other distractions. Don't focus on what's going on around you and recognize that Jesus is here. Recognize that the power of God is with you. So now we come to Peter's response. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. So another translation uh, piece here. We read this and says, Peter says, Lord, if it's you. Um, but in the original language, that word, that, that phrase can also be translated, Lord, since it's you. So we can see Peter saying, Lord, since it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, this is important, and to understand it, we got to kind of understand a little bit of the dynamic between rabbis and disciples. Um, Jesus was not the only person to have disciples back then. Every rabbi had disciples. And so the way that the relationship worked is the rabbi would take on the disciple, and the, the notion was the disciple would follow and learn to imitate everything that that rabbi did. And the rabbi would teach them to do exactly what he was able to do. So they would learn every aspect of that rabbi's life and then copy it, imitate it exactly, do whatever that they saw that rabbi doing. And so when you, when you look in, uh, earlier in Matthew in chapter 10, Jesus gives the disciples and comes to them and says, I give you authority to go and cast out demons and heal the sick and all those who are diseased. And they go and they do it. And they're learning from their rabbi how to take authority and do the things that he is allowing them to do. Because they had seen Jesus work these miracles, and there's this underlying notion that if Jesus can do it, I can do it because he's my rabbi and I'm supposed to learn what to do from him. And so when you look at it through that lens, Peter saying, Lord, since it's you, tell me to come out. It's actually a very reasonable request on Peter's part. He's saying, okay, Jesus, if that's you, then I should be able to walk on water too. And so Jesus isn't telling him to be like, all right, well, let's see what you can do, Peter. Jesus obliges him and says, all right, let's do this. And so Peter steps out and starts to walk on water. That is awesome. Walking on water is truly an amazing thing. But the more amazing part of this is that Peter recognizes that the commands of Jesus and the authority given by Jesus gave him the ability to do a miracle. And so here's how that works for us. That same authority that God, that Jesus gave to the disciples, he's given to you and I as followers of Christ. Remember the Great Commission, all authority I give to you. 
And so for a moment, Jesus allowed Peter, Jesus gave Peter the authority to get out and walk on top of the water, the thing that was bothering him. So Pastor Asuntu was praying this morning about, uh, he, he said, God, in your presence, there is, cancer has to leave. In your presence, there's freedom. God has given you the authority to pray those command prayers in those stormy seasons of your life. And for some of us, we need to take authority in those areas. Yeah, your finances might not be great right now, but I'm going to take authority over that in Jesus' name. I'm going to bless God and give to him what's rightfully his and trust and believe that he is going to take care of my every need. My marriage might not be going the greatest right now. We're good, but this is just a story. Uh, my marriage not, might not be going the greatest right now, but I am going to take authority in Jesus' name and I am going to speak healing and I'm not going to wait for my spouse to fix their problems. I'm going to own what I need to own. Amen. I'm going to live under the calling that God has given me. And I'm going to love my wife. And I'm going to fix this. And even if things have really gone south and divorce is looming or divorce has happened, I am still a child of God. I am still loved and I am still surrounded by people who love me. So I am not going to allow the devil to speak discouragement and despair into my life. Some of us need to take that authority that the Lord has given us and start to do battle against those storms. So Peter begins to sink. Which brings me to my last point. We've got to immediately respond. We've got to immediately recognize and we've got to immediately rely. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Beginning, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When Peter begins to sink, he instantly cries out to the Lord for help. And Jesus immediately catches him and saves him. Now, here's my thoughts on this. I don't think that Peter is doubting Jesus. Right? Because remember, the disciple is supposed to be able to do what the rabbi can do. So Peter is not, I don't think Peter is doubting Jesus because Jesus is still standing there calmly not sinking. Peter is doubting the ability and the authority that Jesus has given him. Peter loses focus and starts to think, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I just, I need to quit. I need to go back. I need to get back in that boat. This is not going to work. And he starts to sink. He's walking on water, but he gets overwhelmed by the wind and starts to doubt the fact that God has empowered him to do something great. So Jesus, right, Jesus doesn't come to us in the storm. He comes to us on the storm, not just to pull us out, but to take us through. And so in that, God is coming and he's saying, I want to partner with you in this, right? Just like that story of Bruce making me and my friends sail out of the lake. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to give you the tools necessary. I'm going to be here for you. And if you fall, you start to sink, I'm going to grab you and pick you right back up. But Jesus is saying, instead of me just doing it, I'm going to empower you 
to be able to do this also. But he's saying, I'm gonna stay here with you. I'm gonna be here through all of it, in your presence, with you, till the end. But sometimes we need to do our part. What part in this storm of your life is God asking you to play? What is he asking you to do? What do you need to fix? What do you need to change? What do you need to give up? What do you need to lay down? How do you need to respond to play your very important role of making it through the storm that you're going through? Sometimes we get overwhelmed and we start to sink and that's okay because Peter relied on Jesus immediately. Before he went all the way down, as soon as he started to feel his footing go, he knew Jesus could save him. And he said, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus ran out, or Jesus reached out and caught him. And some of you might be in that place right now where you need to just rely on Jesus and your immediate salvation is at hand if you can trust in him and call on the name of Jesus in your time of need. And he will save you. Now, the text doesn't directly say this, but I like to believe that when Jesus picked Peter up, he let him walk on the water again back to the boat. I don't think he, like, dragged him. All right, Peter, let's go. He'll throw you back in the boat. Like, he picked him up, put him back on the water, and said, let's go back. He gives him another chance to do it. How awesome is that? And because of this passage, we, we like to, like, we, we go in, in like two seconds of thinking, Peter is amazing. Two, you have little faith. Oh, Peter had a little faith. Let me just throw him, throw him back out of the boat. You say, Peter was a man, didn't have much faith. But yeah, Peter had a little faith in this moment. But do I have a next slide? Let's look at what little faith is. Little faith is true faith. If we have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be cast in the sea and it will be done. Little, of, little faith will obey the words of Jesus. Yeah, he only had a little faith, but it was that little faith that let him get out of the boat. Little faith will come to Jesus even if it's a struggle. Little faith will go to God and be by his side even if the circumstances look terrible. Little faith can accomplish great things. Little faith will pray. And little faith will realize there is safety at Jesus' side. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. So Jesus comes to us on the storm, not to take us out of it, but to take us through it. And I know that this concept of of staying put and and deliberately going where Jesus says even if it's going into a storm might seem kind of foreign and might seem kind of odd and might seem kind of weird but I hope that this can challenge us and this will challenge you to look at your life from a different perspective and live your life from a different perspective and enable you to see that we need to immediately respond to Jesus's words and commands with obedience that we need to immediately recognize Jesus for who he is, that he is the great I am who comes to us in our time of need with help and encouragement. And we need to immediately rely
on His power to save us. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.